all the magic held on to the law. Well, I hope all of you had a wonderful holiday season and stayed safe and healthy, or at least as best as you could. And one thing I really hope is that you all bought some new music, or even old music, or just any music in general. Because there's one thing I've learned throughout this podcast, it's that right now, these artists need our help. I mean, they've been there for us, so come on, go out and buy some music. They need it. So do you, when you think about it. So anyway, let's be honest. The internet, Facebook, and Twitter, it's all one big cesspool. I mean, except for this podcast, of course. Just about everything we've seen in the last week, month, year, hell, four plus years, it just makes me think that there's very little good that's come from being online, again, except for this podcast. And this damn pandemic is only making it worse. Still, you know, I'm not an overly negative guy. And if there's one good thing about the internet, it's the ability to catch up with old friends that maybe you haven't seen or heard from in, well, 25 plus years. Which brings me to this episode of Four Songs. My guest is singer, songwriter, playwright, and soon-to-be-published author Michael Patrick F. Smith. Michael and I kind of sort of grew up together in the outskirts of Frederick, Maryland, in a little place called Iamsville. Yeah, I'm not even going to try and spell it out for you because it just would confuse things and make things even harder, but let's just say that Iamsville is a small little tiny town without a streetlight or a stoplight. It's about an hour and a half from Washington, about an hour from Baltimore, and it's about 10 or 15 minutes from Frederick, Maryland, which is not known for a whole lot, but hey, it was home. Michael and I attended school together all the way from Kemptown Elementary to Linganore High School. And that was about 25, 6, 7, 8, 9, who knows how many years ago we finished high school. Back then, you know, we went our separate ways. We haven't talked or seen each other ever since, really. We're both writers by trade, but Michael and I took different paths. I went to Washington to become a reporter, while Michael headed to Baltimore and eventually New York to write music, plays, and whatever else. He immersed himself into the folk music traditions and lifestyles inspired by Woody Guthrie, John Prine, and modern writers and singers like Paleface, who's been on this show more than once. In fact, Michael even opened for Paleface on a number of occasions back up in New York City. A few years back, Michael and I began emailing every now and then, so I can't say I was completely unaware of his musical accomplishments. His music reflects those inspirations I mentioned earlier in A Modern Light. And did I mention he's about to become a published author? His book, The Good Hand, comes out next month and details his year-long stint in North Dakota working in the oil and gas fields during the big fracking boom. Michael's songs echo his hard-working, traveling lifestyle. In this episode, we talk about four songs from his latest album called The Great Away, which just came out this past fall. I caught up with Michael from his new hometown of Lexington, Kentucky. We talked about music, life, songwriting, writing in general, and a whole host of things that came up in this conversation. So sit back and enjoy it. It's not every day you get to talk to someone that you haven't seen in 25 plus years. And I think our conversation reflects that. Anyway, here we go. Michael Patrick F. Smith. So, hey, Michael, how you doing? Thanks for joining me today. I'm doing great. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited yeah, to be man. here. Yeah, it has been a long time. Michael and I went to elementary school together. We did, yeah. yeah. In Cumptown? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> That's wild, man. Yeah. So we'll, we'll do a little bit of catching up, but, you know, the first question I've been asking everybody is, how have you been doing, you know, this pandemic? Has it affected your writing? And you know, you've moved recently, so just, uh, if you can just tell us what you've been up to the last eight, nine months. Yeah, I mean, I've been somewhat lucky in that, 
I'm a writer. I'm writing a book. It comes out in February, uh, February 16th. And so I've been real. So I've been busy with writing and with editing my book and getting that together. So it's kept me like, it's kept me active and kept me out of like the poorhouse, basically. <laughs> yeah, but I, it's been a challenging period of time. That's for sure. As a writer, I'm used to spending long periods of time alone, but I'm used to balancing that with like a lot of people time uh, to keep myself from going, going nuts. And so I haven't had much, much people time, obviously, but powering through. Yeah, good. Yeah, so tell me about your book because you spent some time out in the, the gas fields. Yeah, I spent a year in 2013. I moved out to North Dakota, Northwest North Dakota, and I worked for about a year in uh, the oil field, working as what's called a swamper for a rig moving company. It was a true oil field work. When I left, I kind of when I was there, I was sending a lot of emails home to people. The um, town I was in was a true boom town, which like if you hear, you know, if you think of like the gold rush or you think about you know, these kind of old school gold boom towns in the wild west or whatever. It's literally pretty much the same thing, but with cell phones, you know. So I lived out there for a while and did that work. And while I was there, I was writing stuff back to some friends and just kind of keeping them up on what was happening to me. Once I did that, I kind of decided that I had the pieces I'd written enough to have kind of um, decided to put it together in a book. And so I was lucky and fortunate enough to get a book deal, to get a great agent who got me a book deal. And then, um, and that'll be out, uh, like I said, in February. That's awesome. Yeah. It's called The Good Hand, yeah, which, is, which, is, which is also the name I perform under musically. Yeah. Now, what does that mean, that the term? Is- it's kind of a, it's, it's an oil field term. And a lot of, I spent a lot of time in the book sort of meditating on the meaning of it. But basically when you go to the oil field, you're a greenhorn, which is a uh, cowboy slang for sort of like a young steer. And you're given a green hard hat. And so after a period of time, usually after six months, they'll give you a white hard hat and you've made a hand. Is kind of what that means. And really in the oil field hierarchy, like there's not much of a hierarchy, <laughs> but if you're, uh, but becoming, being a good hand is an incredibly high compliment. It means you're a very capable worker and you're, you're um, keeping everybody safe and you're doing a good job. And so as, the more and more I thought about it, I was out there, it kind of took on bigger implications for me. And, um, but it's, uh, at its heart, it's like cowboy slang for somebody mm. who's, uh, who's doing their best and, I think of it as um, kind of an aspirational term. And so you mentioned us also, you've been recording under that name. And so we're talking about your album, The Great Away. Curious, as you and I go way, way, way back, when did you start writing music? When did, what, like, what, when did you get first hit by that, by that buzz? Oh, yeah. I started probably when I was like 14 or 15. <laughs> I had a great, probably remember our old the drama teacher, Carl Frendel, was, yeah. um, was the drama teacher at our high school. He not only taught, not only did he teach that stuff, but he played songs and he played a lot of music in class. And, and I had an old beat up guitar that my dad had sort of shoved in the closet. And so I started, started picking, ar- picking around on it. So when did you realize though, that you were good at it. I mean, because I know that sounds kind of a dumb question, but because there's always what that separates those who can do it and those who can't. So when did you realize like, yeah, this actually works for me? 
Well, it's funny. I mean, I'd, I'd say that I've had times where I realize it and then I forget it, you know. It's always, it's such a personal thing and it's kind of racked occasionally with, you know, self-doubt or with, with insecurities about it. But I guess, you know, I hit a point where I, I never, it, music, writing the songs came to me a lot quicker than my ability to play the songs. Huh. And there's a point when I was, I think I was about 30. I mean, I'd been playing for a long time and I'd even play, I'd play gigs and stuff. But I also, I always in college, you know, I lived with a bunch of jazz guys, mm. a, bunch of, a bunch of jazz holes. <laughs> and so those guys could play circles around me and I'd sit on the couch and dink out my little folk tunes, you know. And um, I, guess I, I guess I would just say, I'd just, I've always done it as a compulsion. And uh, the feeling of sort of whether or not I'm good enough to be doing it is... I guess is that's more validated when I play and people come out to see it, you know? (laughs) So around the time I was 30, I I put out an, I recorded an EP called um, all the cars, my friends stole that I felt like was, was where my song, I was like, Oh, these are good songs and I can deliver them. Cool. So let's talk about the great away. So you just started streaming this one. Cause I remember you sent out a note back in the fall about it and, so when did this one come out? And is there, was this, is you using the good hand as, as the name? Was this also someone inspired by your experiences out, out West? Yeah, you know, this was recorded over a pretty long period of time and was actually recorded mostly before I'd even left to North Dakota. So a lot of it has been, uh, has been completed for a bunch of years. Hmm. It did just come out. I finally just got, around to putting it out it was a situation where i mean it was done i want to say in like 2013 and there and there was a uh, but i had a record label was gonna put it out wanted to do it and then they um changed their mind just kind of stopped like returning my calls and i was like okay so that set it back a while and then there's a second record label that picked it up and i worked with those guys for a pretty extended period of time before they just went belly up and basically put all the record money up their noses <laughs> had like a big old had a big it was a rolling party so i had some good times during that period but it left me with no record released and and then i was really frustrated about the tunes for i was really frustrated with it it had been sitting around for so long that i just was like didn't touch it for a little while after that and so i finally just got around to it and i said you know what these are good enough songs they should be out there in the world and yeah I need to, I've done the work, so I need to put them out. Uh, Yeah. So we're going to talk about four songs in particular. That part is true. Boy from the Dirty Room, Simple Sip of Beer, and Magic and Loss. And just again, kind of going back to my earlier question about just influences. And you mentioned, I know you've talked about Woody Guthrie and Ramblin' Jack Elliott. Was there others that played a role just as you're putting too many songs together that inspired you just generally? And tried to just put that into some of these songs at all yeah sure i mean there's i there's a pretty big van morrison influence i think and, i can um, hear that i'm glad yeah. you mentioned that yeah yeah <laughs> so he's he's one of the guys that i always find myself going back to especially on the song that part is true yeah has a lot of his influence on there and uh lou reed is another one i always find that i'm really drawn to like to the lyricists so he, Lou Reed is, is a is a big influence. 
trying to think if there are some other, you know, more modern groups that were, um, that I was listening to. The band Y Oak was pretty influential and actually the two members of that band play on this record. They were an influence. But yeah, I have a tendency to, towards sort of like old cranky guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I wrote down when I was listening to some of the music I was right for, for this part is true. I was like, yeah, there's a definite Van Morrison with the horns and yeah, yeah throughout. And so we'll just get to, to that one. And like I mentioned, just I must say it's kind of casual Van Morrison, even though, I mean, it's, there's a sing-songy vibe to it. But what led you to throwing some of the horns in there? And it starts out with the organ as well. And just curious, like, how you heard this in your head and, and then how it came out. Yeah, one of the goals behind writing this record was um, coming from a tradition of folk music with Ramblin' Jack Elliott and some of these other older figures i wanted to push that kind of sound into a more modern time like i wanted it to um sound more like the world today with car horns and and uh, subway subways and that sort of thing for me i'm not like a big arranger i the way i approached it is and the way i approach recording is getting the right personnel and just getting the right people and putting them in the right place and then kind of working with them individually. So there's a great saxophone player and arranger, Chris Humphrey, who lives in Baltimore. All the horn arrangements on the record are uh, stuff he contributed to. He contributed. So we went back and forth about him and, you know, I basically gave him, we played together for years and I gave him um, some songs to listen to as reference tracks and then we met, he played me the parts, and we may, have, we may have messed with him a little bit, but a lot of it was just kind of getting the guys in the room and then taking, taking his parts. Yeah, who's playing the organ? Uh, that's also Chris. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because it just kind of lays a foundation for the song. It's just very subtle, but it, it's definitely, you can feel it, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I love that organ sound. Mm, yeah. I really dig it. Yeah, so lyrically, I mean, this feels like it was inspired by a relationship. So uh, what, <laughs> what, what, uh, what led to, to this one? You know, I guess... It was one of those songs where the, you know, it was just kind of like one of those tunes that fell on my head more than okay. anything, you know, and I'm not, I haven't written too many like straight kind of love songs. I'm always interested in sort of the ambiguity around experiences and especially around romance because there's kind of only so much you can say about falling in love with somebody or breaking up with somebody. So with this song, I really wanted to explore the ambiguity of like, you know, like I had had like a very kind of brief and fast, but very passionate romance with this woman. And then years later, we had kind of, uh, we had met up and it was just, it was, it was a thing where I was like, well, it's not working out and that that's good. <laughs> like it's like, that's bad, but it's also, it's pretty good. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that was sort of the vibe of it, I guess. Yeah, because I, I like what I like about it is it's it kind of sets up for like you talk about that part is true, but then you kind of say, yeah, I still loved you, and that part is true too. So I kind of like that. You know, there's really no fault here. It's just you know we had a, it was good that it was there, and it was good that maybe it's not there anymore. And, yeah, and uh, I mean, the lines that I really like are toward the end when you're talking about you know you could talk about your brother and your mother and those are sort of things that I think most people would talk about with their significant other. But in this case, they're like, yeah, you know, we could talk about that, but, but it's just, we know it's going to end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, one of the things that I, this is one of my favorite songs I think that I've written. And one of the things I like about it is that it sort of works. Like you could just say the lines. It doesn't um, like they, there's no rhyme in the, in the whole tune. Mm -hmm. I don't think. But you know, there's lines like, I drink, I drink all the time, it's because I'm thirsty. You know, just kind of like little jokes and shit and just sort of the way that writing kind of the way that people talk as opposed to having like sort of the, I guess, the natural poeticism of the way that people have conversations as opposed to like an elevated or mysterious language that songs sometimes dive into. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what I think what I sort of meant by this sort of feeling casual, like you are, it does feel very conversational. And in fact, I think you kind of, Sing it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I got friends. I call them on the phone. I act all casual. They say, what's going on, Mikey? I say, you know my heart. Yeah, dude. Because it's where you reside. That was, an, I mean, that because that's another idea in the song, I guess, is like, okay, there's this romantic love and there's this thing that I'm trying to work out with this person, but then there's also family and there's friends and there's all this other stuff. So it's like, I'm getting, I'm getting all this love from these other places and these other things are going on and kind of like, you know, yeah. And so it's just as a way to kind of trying to navigate your own feelings about somebody. Yeah. I think it's, I love it. I had it, I woke up this, in my head this morning and it was like, okay, I Captured a good song. So. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> so uh, we'll move on to Boy from the Dirty Room, which, again, I, I imagine this is based on another relationship, uh, perhaps, mm. but just curious your perspective. It's, it's a beautiful, stark song. And, and so this song is actually a, uh, it's actually a folk song. So there's a tune called The Gambling Suitor, which comes from a tradition of folk tunes where... 
basically back you know, in pre-recorded times, there were songs that were used as games. So they would have little kids would sing these songs to each other and sort of like play the game as if they're recording and work out the courting. And in the gambling suitor, it's a guy who gambles all the time. He tries to, he comes home, he tries to win the girl over and she's like, nah, you're too much trouble. And she doesn't, she gives, waves him off <laughs> um, a little bit. I think in the tune, John Prine is another big influence of mine. Yeah. And, uh, in spite of ourselves, he plays with that same format. Okay. Um, so this song wasn't, for me, it wasn't based on any like specific relationship, but kind of dealing with like the themes of addiction and the themes of trying like relationships not working out and different also class differences is a big thing in this song so who's singing with you on this one her name's jamie um and she's a jamie searman she's a great uh a great songster her vocal performance on this is fucking nuts wanted to use the banjo in the tune to kind of hearken to that old time that old kind of evil weird folk music sound yeah that the banjo can really en encapsulate and then the guitar part is done by dave human who's a monster guitar player and uh i wanted so i wanted the i wanted the electric guitar to kind of wreck the song in a way i wanted it to come in and and like annihilate the song with like this <laughs> black sabbath vibe <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> which he did i get i took gave him the note and i felt i feel like he totally did it my heart and soul I swear I've gotten clean yeah yeah I'd love to explore actually more songs with that kind of, of instrumentation because it does I feel like it does work in the world of the song but it's not a song it's not a sound that you usually hear it's pretty right. rare to hear a yeah. banjo and then a real fuzzy electric yeah. <clears throat> guitar part on it yeah so did so did you wrote the the lyrics so, and you wrote both the both parts of it I guess is with the woman and the I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read both parts, yeah, and it was one of those. Um, yeah, I spent. I you know usually I don't spend very much time on lyrics. I just kind of I just kind of jot them down. And this one I just kept. I know I worked it for a long time because I kept trying to get like trying to keep bringing the images back around with his hands in the dirty room and like mm -hmm. you know like kind of kept trying to play with different ways of of. Of working with the images. Sick of my broken heart. I need hands to care for me, not tear me all apart. You tore me all apart. Yes, I am the boy from the dirty room. 
You have felt my hands. They have got a purpose now. It is your heart to hold. It is your dreams to guard. Moving on to, I think this is probably the most folk song that we're talking about, Simple Sip of Beer. And it is a change of pace from the first two songs. And it's just pretty much you and the guitar on this one. And it's your most, re- to me, it's the most reflective mm-hmm. number on this. And you, you kind of cover a lot of ground here too, though. So just curious how this one came to you initially. Yeah, this one I think of as like a kind of a memory song. And there's, it's funny, it, sometimes songs come um, in pairs or in like small groups. Like sometimes I'll write one tune and then there's like a few other tunes kind of hanging out. There's like a little herd of songs. Um, <laughs> and this one, uh, there's a tune I wrote called Cans that, that is a uh, completely different sound, but um, a similar sentiment of that um, of that, uh, the, mem- the sort of the memory idea. Um, it also is about drinking a beer. <laughs> but, um, but so this one, yeah, it's kind of like, a, it, and it is reflective is a good word for it, you know? So it's like a simple sip of beer took me back to the first beer I ever sipped. It's also almost like scenes, I guess. Each each couplet or each uh, verse is is its own scene. And for me, it's all the memories are actually all really specific. Mm. Uh, which a lot of the time, there's a lot of just kind of bullshit in the songs, yeah. <laughs> or I just write it. I don't kind of I don't question it, you know. Mm. Uh, but this one, I can pretty much see every uh, every 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 space and every person in it. So when you say this one kind of came with, with a bunch of others, did, did this one just come to you all at once like this song because i know I've, I've talked to other songwriters who say some songs just they're just there and you just have to be ready and willing and get it all down right then and there is is that how yeah. this one came to you yeah definitely yeah i wrote it in about as long as it took to um to write it down i may have messed a little bit with clarifying some of the verses but i'm pretty sure if if i found the page it was written on i think it would be pretty much laid out you know like it is now yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems like the verses start out kind of long and then if you look at least looking at the way they're written out it's like they get shorter and shorter and, mm. and i just for some reason it, i just felt like that was almost like life in a way and mm. just the way it starts you know the mornings uh, some mornings are beautiful and sun comes around the bend and then the line that i, I like the most is in the next verse when you talk about you know, you're shaving and then you get older, but some wounds heal, some wounds don't, most of them do. It just, so something just simply profound about that mm. in a way, just writing it in such easy, because it's easy to understand, I guess, and mm-hmm. it's relatable and you think, because you think about it, like, you know, that's, that's right. 
mean, yeah. So, you know, like some, cause some people don't really understand, or at least when you're younger, you think, God, oh, this is that girl. Don't, that's the worst thing ever. I'll never get over it. And then the longer you go like, yeah, you know, some, some heal and some don't, but most of them do. And I just really thought yeah. that was a really cool, profound line there. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. I cut myself while shaving. Getting older don't bother me. Little more gray in my beard. More confidence in my weird. Sure, some wounds don't heal, but most of them do. For me, I'm all kind of obsessed with plain speak or vernacular speak in my writing. And so, like working on my book, I would say it all out loud. So I've, I've said the whole fucking thing <laughs> from beginning to end out loud multiple times. And it just forces, it just has forced me to like, when I'm like using a nickel word, you know, or just like, or trying to be a little fancy, it keeps it, it either it sounds, either it sounds okay coming out of your mouth or it doesn't. And that's right. kind of how I, how I guard against it. But, and then in my songwriting, yeah, I, I try to do the same thing. I love songs that sound sort of like people that talk. I mean, this is another one that um, I don't know if it rhymes very much. You know, it's sort of like the, the pacing of it, the mm-hmm. meter is consistent. But, you know, finding like little asides. I mean, in that line you're talking about, I mean, it starts out a little more gray in my beard, more confidence in my weird. Yeah. You know, and that's always a good one because it gets that'll when people are listening, that gets a little chuckle. Mm-hmm. People kind of get a kick out of it. And then you can and then when people laugh and people kind of relax into it, you can then hit them with something a little heavier. Um, they're kind of more receptive to hearing like, OK, well, he's funny, you know, so maybe, yeah. maybe he has something, something deeper to say as opposed to just kind of like being deep, you know, yeah. like, cause I, you know, the people who I find to be the deepest are often just the funniest kind of people, you know, who just have that slightly different way of looking at the world and will say funny shit. And then you kind of stop and you think about it and, and it ends up and it seems that they have, you realize that, that even the funny things that they're saying often have a lot of depth. Yeah. That's simple. Sip a beer, it took me far and near And back here to where I am A little bit tipsy A shade too misty The portrait of an unfinished man Is it natural to you to be kind of funny in these songs or is that hard? Because I find... I find the hardest writing and the best writing is the funniest writing because it's hard to be funny and, and write in words to me or on paper or whatever. Yeah. So does that come pretty naturally to you? Yeah, I think it, I think it does. And it's just kind of like, I'm definitely usually like a first thought, best thought kind of guy with, with my writing and especially with songwriting, there's not very much intellectual about, about writing songs. And there's also like, you know, writing a book, writing something big, and I've written in some plays, it's like time becomes an ingredient in the writing of something that's long form. You know, it took me six, seven years to write 
this giant book that I'm putting out into the world. Um, and so it's sort of like constantly, as I worked on it over those years, who I am in each of those six years is inside the book now. And sort of you have time to really meditate on the meanings of certain situations and to really like excavate them. In that with a song, it's more like a moment in time. So it's just sort of like, oh, here's, there it is. Either, you know, the, the humor is there or it's, or it's not, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're trying to write, like I, like, I don't think any of my, like, I avoid, like, jokey songs. Yeah. Um, or, you know, songs that are really intended to make people, like, laugh a lot. But I like the kind of the weird asides and the little... Um, nods towards funny shit (laughs) try to slip you know so yeah but but they but it does just kind of it just does kind of appear yeah so like again thank you for your time tonight we got one more song to chat about but i want to kind of hit on what you're just talking about there because i've talked to folks who have to be alone when they write or they they go rent or they, they just go somewhere to be by themselves or get away from the house or get away from whatever. What what, what about for you? Does it just come when it comes or? Yeah, I don't, you know, I've almost never like, when it comes to songwriting, I've almost never like tried to write a song. When I've written, in in writing other stuff, my other work, it's like, I definitely need to be, and I I just do office hours, you know, I wake up in the morning Mm -hmm. and I write and, and, uh, and I don't care if I'm inspired. I don't like, um, for writing long form inspiration is just kind of like a stupid thing that like, maybe, maybe it'll happen at some mm-hmm. point, but like who gives a shit, like whatever, if it does, usually it's going to be like, you're going to end up having to cut it back. Right? Yeah, right. Like you're going to, it just means more editing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's kind of, there's like two different, two different skills almost. But with songwriting, it's all just, it, for me anyway, it's all just kind of inspiration. You know, I was thinking about this because I was, I've been watching a bunch of music documentaries. Mm. And I forget who, I was, who it was even, but people who like writes, go into the studio and write songs in the studio you know, like as the recording, I, that yeah. just seems to me like the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> like, and, and I'm sure you could do it. I mean, I'm sure I could do it. I, and I feel like I've been writing songs long enough and I understand the form long enough that I could sit down and just like write a song. Probably if it was like, here's a subject and like, mm-hmm. here's the vibe of the song, but I've never, I've, yeah, I've never tried to do that. Like mm-hmm. I think maybe it would be good when it comes to songwriting, there are different periods, there are different times where I can feel my antennas up a little higher. And, and if I'm able to, I'll make myself more available for it. Yeah. Cause I, I've got tried so hard to, to write songs and I can come up with a little riff on the guitar and then I just, I just can't get out. You know, it's like a circular thing for me. You know? So I'm just, my hat's off I'm to you and anyone who can just do it. Cause I just, it just to me, there's a discipline involved that yeah. you just have to. There's a focus level that I don't have, and there's an interesting. thing. I'm not a huge Jack Kerouac fan. Like I, I used to love his writing, but I'm not. It, it doesn't all hold up for me. But he wrote something about writing where he described it as like holding on to like the diamond center of something where you kind of like hold on to this one kind of idea and then you like write a circle around that one thing. And I feel like songwriting is kind of like that because 
for me, the best songs just describe, like, just kind of like have that, just some vibe of just like, this is the thing I'm feeling right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about Magic and Loft, which I, I love this song. It's might be my favorite of oh, the one cool. we talked about. Yeah. And because again, it <laughs> goes back to, the, I feel like there's some Van Morrison here too, horns mm-hmm. again. And you have, you know, who's singing with, with you on this one? This is also Jamie singing. Oh, okay. This. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, a really interesting one because he's divided into those two parts, the, the magic and the lost part. And right. Just curious. I mean, I, I kind of feel like the, it's almost like falling in love really easily and then how easy that can be sometimes and then it kind of slips away. And just wondering from your side, I mean, as, as the writer, what was that? What was the influence for, for this one? Well, first of all, I would just preface anything I'd say with just like one way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Not like, because I don't, once it's good, once the song's written, it's kind of like its own thing. And um, for me, this song, I want to say it's a lot about grief, actually. Okay. So it's about, a, it's about, yeah, it's a lot about grief. So there's the magic of life and then there's the loss of, of a person or a relationship, kind of like you're describing. Magic and loss, magic and loss. Gave all the magic, held on to the loss. The magic we had, it fell from our sleeves. Out of our hats, it was hard to believe. Believe it to see it and watch how it changed. The obscure of us into the fame. Yeah, it, it's kind of that like when you're in any kind of level of abundance or when there's, you know, like talking about songwriting, when a song just drops in your head, it's just kind of like, ah, this is great. Like, <laughs> this is never going to stop, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, I also have, enough, you know, I also have friends who have had like uh, great success and kind of become famous for, for and, and sort of there's the feeling that, and they're just like, this is amazing. Like, it's never <laughs> going to go away. And, and like, and, <laughs> And, you know, it does. It does go away <laughs> um, oftentimes. So there's a, there's a little bit of that and just kind of like, and yeah, if, when you're in love with somebody and just kind of everything, you know, the magic and of, of uh, yeah, the magic of life. and Because yeah. then it kind of takes a turn. And what I like is how it's introduced. There's the first, there's, the, and I think Jamie sings it magic and then, she says the yeah. countdown, and, and I just I like the interaction between the two of you on, especially toward the end when she makes the line about, which is not in the lyric sheet, but the, the TV. We couldn't tell the children, we kept it for hours. You didn't give it to me, so I kept it from you. We stood on the sand and stared at the blue. Yeah, that was fun. I, I remember giving her that stuff to yell to like because I wanted her just to kind of yell the the different things, and she was kind of like, well, "What do you mean?" I was like, "No, just <laughs> just just trust me." Thankfully, she was game for it. You know, I I think the verses came pretty quickly, but then the decision of how to lay it all out took took a lot of time, and some of the subtlety of like, you know, in the first verse, 
we gave it away. We gave it like flowers. We gave it to children. We gave it for hours. And then in the second verse, we didn't give it away. We wouldn't give it flowers. We couldn't tell the children. We kept it for hours. So like I'm wanting those lines to mirror themselves so specifically. It took like a certain amount of time to get that. Lost, we knew we held it so tight. Like a flame, our hands cupped on a dark, drafty night. We made it precious, we made it vain. It spilled on the floor, we coveted the stain. We didn't give it away, we wouldn't give it flowers. We couldn't tell the children, we kept it for hours. What's what's next for you? You got the book coming out, and I assume you're still you're still working on some music. And yeah, how can um, folks find out more? about what you're working on i've got a website it's goodhand.org and uh, i'm actually i just recorded the narration for the audiobook my book ran the producer my producer at random house heard my music really liked my music and they've given me uh, the go-ahead to, i'm actually going to record some songs for the audiobook and some incidental music as well so i'm working on that in the next few weeks but the audiobook's going to be really cool. It's going to come with like bonus tracks and mm. it's going to have songs kind of weaved into the story. So I'm really excited about that. I want that to be a, um, to be kind of its own specific work of art. You know, a lot of people I know listen to books more than they read them. So it's going to be a cool opportunity. Yeah. And what's the, who's publishing the book? Viking Thank Press, which is a part awesome. of Penguin Random House. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Cool. Well, I think uh, we're up things up there, Michael. It's been awesome catching up with you. Yeah, man. Great to see you. So my thanks again to Michael for joining me. As you can tell, we had a good time doing that one. I hope you all enjoyed it. It's not every day you get to catch up with someone you haven't seen or talked to in almost 30 years. So let's hope it's not 30 years again. So anyway, enjoy, everyone. Please be safe. I got more coming, but in the scheme of things, I think it's just um, a time to just say thank you for listening and please be good to each other and stay safe, everyone.